I'm going to whack my stick. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. This week I'm joined by Joe Scrubbles. Hello. And Simon Cardi. Hello. The very tired looking Simon Cardi. I'm always tired, aren't You're I? always tired. He loves My to tell you about it. My eyes are stinging. Are they? Mm. I was reading a lot of um, Hideo Kojima tweets today and I went back right to the start of his feed, 26th of February 2010. Oof. And one of his earliest tweets was just, I've been editing so long that my eyes are dry. <laughs> and another one. I know the feeling. And then another one where it's like, I think he says something like game development is hard when your allergies are making you tear. He's on the blag for Optrex and all sorts of antihistamines. <laughs> he's on the blag like for that. everything. Exactly. That's why he's constantly posting pictures of all his books he gets sent. Maybe that's how he started on like low Just level pharmaceuticals and worked his way up to high level stuff that he's on now. Famously, Peter Molyneux sold baked beans. Before he was a games developer. Oh, I was going to say, right, before he was Not a games developer. Not now. I don't know anything now. I thought that was Pete Hines. Shut up. Oh. Good on that, actually. I'm quite proud of that. I dislike you. Anyway, uh, I haven't actually introduced myself. My name is Alex Simmons, and Hello, I'm mate. returning for a very long time. Not for a very long time. <laughs> Sorry. I'm returning for ages. <laughs> it's I'm a be here For the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about some Death Stranding stuff in a bit and uh, Simon Cardi's favourite VR. That's a bit strong. <laughs> well, that's how, uh, that's the, the vibe I got from you. I said, well, I said it's a game I'm really enjoying. <laughs> Good tease. Yeah. But first, yeah. something big has walked this way. Ooh. Mm. Boy can segue. Ooh. Oh, Godzilla, not me. <laughs> oh, you were go. looking at me, I thought that's a bit rude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Godzilla, he's back, and he's the king of the monsters, or is he? Uh, yeah, they purposely do that, so that you've got like, well, the king is King Ghidorah, but the king Ooh. could be Godzilla, but what if Kong turns up, because yeah. he is also a king? And what if like Rodan Zora turns up and somehow usurps everyone? Uh, Rodan's... It was basically Rodan a pterodactyl. A, is he from a different... Series or something because people were talking. Is Rodan in it? Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a character that loads of comments. We did Charles Dance response to IGN comments, which is a banger, by the way. You've Ooh, got it. good. Charles Dance fucking loves he a bit good. of acting. Um, <laughs> and there was one. Oh, God, this would be better if I could remember the name of the monster. But there's one that everyone was like, "Where's this one?" And then clever people coming in. Uh, if you actually know the history of the monster movies, you know that that's a different series in featuring Godzilla. And yeah. if you are one of those people, shut up. No, I'm pretty sure Rodan's <laughs> meant to be there, and he is there. Uh, it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. Mothra, Mothra's there as well. Mothra's love Mothra. Cool. Big Moth. What's not to love? But yeah, Which uh, was your favourite of the big monsters? It's, it's just got to be Godzilla, isn't yeah. it? Really? It's boring, but boring, he's, yeah. he's, he's... I just like Godzilla. I quite like his chunky new appearance. He's, very, he's a very chunky boy. He is. Yeah. He's, he, he's one for the thick generation. He does, a lot, he does a lot of stomping. You see him a lot more. So I actually really enjoyed... Was it 2014, the yeah, last Godzilla? Was, yeah. I really enjoyed that it's film. mad that that was five years ago. Yeah. I thought it was all right as well. Yeah, I really liked it. But I think a lot of people's criticism was that you didn't see a lot of Godzilla. But Can I kind of liked that. Jaws, did you? No, exactly. Wow. Oh, what, when you think about it, wow, well, we were. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um, you definitely see a lot of him in this one. You see a lot of monsters. Yeah, this does not hold back. In I kind of got so I saw it with Matt, and I said to him before he walked in, "I hope this is just two hours of mad monsters fighting each other because that's kind of what I want, and that's exactly what you get." Yeah, the, they don't really focus on the humans too much. It's had some <laughs> right. scathing reviews. Really, um, not I, from us. Okay. Um, but I believe it was the AV Club that described it as like essentially a WWE 
match featuring yeah. monsters. But as, a, see, as a criticism, but you don't amazing. say that often, do you? <laughs> what? Oh, no. I know. I, I really like the AV Club. That's why I read all their reviews. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was fucking mental. If, yeah. if, if I was the uh, studio, I'd put that on the poster. Yeah, that's same. amazing. And although yeah. they've kind of, they have definitely said that Kong vs. Godzilla is a thing that's happening because Skull Island yes. was meant yeah, to yeah, tease yeah. it. Yeah. But it almost did feel like in this one, they've gone all in. Let's stick as many monsters in as we can just in case it flops and we can't do another one. Yeah, I could see that. So, and it has that feeling of all right this one's in it this one's in it i think at one point you see a lot of monsters they do mention there's 17 mm. <laughs> and is there like 10 you you see quite a few yeah yeah but there's like four main ones which we've talked about mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna there might be surprises who knows <gasps> um well you would know you've seen it yeah i know but i'm not gonna spoil okay. it people. <laughs> um i think it's actually out today as we came out yeah it's out already yeah. it's out uh and uh, yeah it is stupid fun it is a couple hours of big monsters fighting with terrible cheesy dialogue but it's kind of a throwback to those sort of films yeah there's like there Does is Godzilla one line speak? uh no he can't speak unfortunately okay. it's just but there is said like, dialogue <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna go and get you there's some like they use every single opportunity to make ken watanabe say gojira yeah. just so well, you're reminded that wow. it is a japanese thing yeah. <laughs> and there's the awkward like the most awkward line I've seen in a film, which like people like just doing terrible one-liners in terrible situations. Like you wouldn't have the quickness of mind to be making these like witty mm. remarks as you're being hunted down by a massive monster. Mm. But the worst one is when like they say they see Godzilla and there's the guy I can't remember the actor's name, but uh, it's in the trailer and he just goes Zilla. What? <laughs> he sees me and goes, Zilla. That's really weird. Yeah, it's really weird. And it's even out of place in context of the film. The, the CEO of my old company was called Zilla. And people yeah. would say it similarly when, when yeah. she rode, rode into the building. Because that meant someone was getting fired that yeah. day. But she yeah. was the only person that could do it. Yeah. She was judge, ju- judge, jury, and executioner. Thank you. That's yes. all right. But yeah. yeah. The humans aren't an important part of it. And luckily, they're not in it too much. They do focus on the monsters, so it's not really it is about the monsters more than it is about the human story. So you're good. You've got the typical like people trying to do good. People well, on Godzilla are in side. loads of other films. I, know. I don't need yeah. to you don't see have monsters humans. in lots of them, do you? I've got two things to ask. One, Go for it. Is Millie Bobby Brown as annoying as she looks like in the trailers? She's not annoying, and she isn't as big a part of it as you think. Good. Two. Uh, do they ever do like rather than just special powers and mm. beams? Do they ever get into the wrestling? Full-on grappling. There like, is some full-on grappling. Because that's the old people-in-suits stuff. It's yeah. people like, yeah, having yeah, yeah. a proper little wrestle yeah. in some rubber suits. That's what no, I want to see. They properly get into it, and you see like the actual faces of the monsters. The CG is very impressive. Yeah. and like mm. the, You can see emotion on Godzilla's face, which is cool as well. You can that's see when nice. he's Does angry. He cry? Uh, do you want me to spot? I'm not going to oh, tell well, you. I, I want to see the full emotion you see of Godzilla, Godzilla Is he like Drogon oh, at the end of Gamthrons? Gamfront. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't say is that, but <laughs> it's just it's not a dragon. It's, just, it's no. just very, very big. I meant that in terms of showing yeah. emotion. I'm not giving a spoiler. Away. He just no. breathes just so you know. fire, though. He breathes the elect- yeah. So yeah, the great moment at the end of the one five years ago, where he just does it down the other monster's throat. It does what? Down the it? electric fire. <laughs> Should have mentioned the electric fire. <laughs> I think I've seen that one. 
Yeah, I, I must have seen the parody. Remember the famous bit where Godzilla shits down Mothra's neck? <laughs> oh, well, that's where we were going. I don't know where we were going. But, um, no, the big blue fire. I, I, yeah. I thought that was the cleaner version of what we could be implying <laughs> with that comment. <laughs> Ooh, um, well, there's lots more of it in this one. Hey, actually, I mean, this is a weird segue, but have either of you watched The Perfection on Netflix? No. Not it's yet, this no. new horror film. It's very odd. Mm, I've heard it takes a turn. Oh, mate. It takes a fucking few. Uh, I'm not sure I think it's actually good, but it is very surprising. And okay. there is a bit where someone does a full-on shit in the road. <laughs> like, it is so weird. That's an endorsement. Like, they go all in on, like, if stuff's going badly with your body. Right. It's going oh, badly okay. with your body. So it makes sense in that context? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. not, like, out of nowhere. It's but actually... It's really, like... You don't you don't expect to see a beautiful young actress taking a dump <laughs> in a Chinese road. That's all I'm saying. And that's not a spoiler. It's just a great moment. It should be in the trailer. Well, I'm going to watch it now. Yeah, um, exactly. I've sold it. Uh, but, one of my friends uh, used to have a habit of, after a night out, he'd always need to have a shit on the way home, probably after a kebab. And he would always do it in a public bin. When, oh, that's be- so... Before the bins, you know, because now it's side access. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know how you would do it side access. I think but it's more when, enticing. Do you have thing? to just clamp on with your legs. Like a, like a, you know those giant crabs that go around bins in Hawaii? <laughs> what? Have you seen that? <laughs> no. There's big crabs that go around bins in Hawaii. But that might be Japan. Anyway, an island. <laughs> There's an island full of big crabs, and I'm imagining your mate shitting like one. Exactly, it just right. sounds like Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is stupid fun. The one thing I will say was it's only two hours, maybe slightly above like two hours ten. Mm. It felt very long. Yeah. Like halfway through, I don't often check the time in films. I watch them like a normal person. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, I know. Um, but I'm a real halfway through, I was films. only an hour in. I was like, I have felt like I've seen a lot of this already. Yeah. <laughs> but it it. It's fun. I would say it's stupid fun. It's not the best film in the world. It's by no means bad, I don't think. And it's exactly what you'd hope for from the trailers. Lots of incredible shots of monsters having a pop at each other. Well, there you go. Yeah. And now, if you want even more Godzilla chat, Mm. we've got Matt having a chat with the director, Michael Doherty. Throw it to him live. Um, We're not doing that. We're doing it. We're throwing to him live in the past. Ah? Godzilla. So, Michael, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, so, I saw the film a three or four days ago now, mm-hmm. and the thing that really interested me about it is that it's got, despite the fact it is this massive spectacle, it's actually got quite a serious undertone. And I think the thing I found it is like, oh shit, what would the world be like if monsters existed and we were in the middle of this? Yeah, it'd be much better. <laughs> <laughs> Like I mean, there's a lot going on in the world today that, yeah, yeah may, maybe... A, maybe we should let them run the show. Yeah, a Hydra <laughs> sort of, like, smashing their way through America, maybe... It would bring the world together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's that's actually an interesting point in that, like... So we've had lots of sci-fi films, um, so, like, Watchmen being one of the big sort of examples of trying to bring the world together over... Cataclysm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there is a bit of that to King of the Monsters, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um uh, yeah, and so the thing that I found about it is that there's a history to Godzilla, right, in terms of kind of like it is, even since the original Toho films, Godzilla means something, and obviously in the original films he was an equivalent of nuclear war, right, and it was a message about let's not do this to each other. What what does Godzilla mean now? 
Uh, well, I think that's what makes him so fascinating is that he works on multiple levels. Uh, he's both, as you said, uh, serious at times. Uh, if you go back to the original, even morose and poetic. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there is an absolute layer of insane fun yeah. to the character and absurdity. Uh, and his message, too, can be interpreted in different ways, much like God is interpreted mm -hmm. in many different ways by people. Uh, but that's what I love about him. I love that he is so multifaceted, that he works on different levels, that there are all these different aspects to his personality and his message. It's a very unique and delicate combination of factors. Uh, if you want to watch a Godzilla film for just the monster fights, you can, yeah, absolutely. But if you want to wade into the deeper side of the pool and explore the underlying message and the allegory, that's there for you too. Mm -hmm. And I find that you can evolve and grow with the property and sort of get roped in or lured in with the promise of just monster fight. And then if you want to spend the time with it and peel back the different layers, you can. Uh, but I think the message also varies depending on how you want to interpret it as an individual. As you said, many people look at Godzilla, the character, as representing the dangers, the powers of nuclear weapons. And that's there. I don't think he represents the actual nuclear weapon, though, mm -hmm. personally. I believe that he represents Mother Nature's reaction to the nuclear weapons. Sure. So it's not disconnected. It's not unrelated. But uh, for me, he is Mother Nature's sort of 800-kiloton gorilla <laughs> uh, in that he's Mother Nature's enforcer. And when any species, whether it be kaiju or human, sort of breaks Mother Nature's laws, he's unleashed. His brethren are unleashed to sort of course correct things. So yes, for me, he represents Mother Nature um, and her reaction to the nuclear weapons, not the nuclear weapons themselves. Mm -hmm. That idea of um, Mother Nature and certainly kind of, um, for lack of a better term, that they are sort of your bad guys in this film, but they're not actually your bad guys because obviously you have eco, uh, eco terrorist group would that be fair to call them for sure sure but obviously their intentions i think are actually very noble in the fact that kind of the world we have over the last kind of certainly over the last decade really had to wake up to the idea that the planet's not in a great way and kind of i guess godzilla is a way of he's the metaphor for our times as well always i mean i think he has a message if we're willing to listen and he's been uh, preaching this message since he was first conceived in 1954. It hasn't changed. He's been warning humans of their stupidity and their arrogance for decades via this popcorn entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think as long as that message needs to be heard, Godzilla will be there. And yeah, it, may, it sort of makes sense that like we've had two you know, strong Godzilla movies in the space of, what, four or five years now? It seems the right mm -hmm. time for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, beyond kind of just that big sort of meta message that's delivered, as you say, via popcorn entertainment, we obviously drill down and we've got a set of central characters. And obviously Godzilla is always the star of the show, despite the fact that we've got these humans. I was just wondering how you feel about the idea of like now that CG allows Godzilla to be so much more emotive and now his 
enemies and allies within the monster universe. Does that allow you to take the burden of storytelling a little bit off your human characters and put them into your monsters? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like that's that even happened in the classic films. Uh, you know, when they had men in suits, so many human expressions and emotions came out via body language uh, or just the relationship between the creatures. They were so emotive even back then. Maybe not so much in the faces, but in the body language of the, of the creatures. Uh, you sense their histories, their alliances, their grudges. Uh, and so now, yes, you can add more detailed uh, and subtle expressions even. Um, but that's the funny thing about being a Godzilla fan is that I think you can emotionally imprint as much on the creatures as you can the humans, and sometimes more so on the creatures. As a fan, you remember the creatures and their dramas oftentimes more than the humans. Mm -hmm. The human cast in Godzilla films tend to be pretty interchangeable. I mean, let's be honest. Sure. Uh, and uh, it's a challenge, but I think that's what makes the series unique, is that it is asking the audience to identify with these giant radioactive mythic creatures over human beings. You know, it's almost like the message of the film uh, is, is conveyed via how the kaiju are uh, positioned versus the humans. Like the humans in Godzilla films are usually doing really dumb things. <laughs> you know, they're creating oxygen destroyers. Sure. They're, they're messing with mother nature. They're creating new monsters via genetic engineering. They're interfering in the monsters' battles when they shouldn't be. Um, whereas the creatures are the true heroes. You know, it's, it's different than a superhero film where you're simply identifying with another humanoid creature or another human character that has superpowers. Like, that's easy. So Godzilla films, I think, are uniquely challenging in that aspect, is that they are asking you to emotionally identify with giant monsters. And I think it's a special breed of person that can do that. Sure. Um, and so you say that that's uniquely challenging. Like, when you approach this film, what, what was your angle in to make sure that happened? Uh, it was about making sure that the creatures felt like characters. And that was something I emphasized from day one was that the, yes, they're monsters, but they're characters at the same time. Uh, and our, you know, our, our human cast, they're humans, but they're characters. And so it was about giving Godzilla and the other creatures histories, uh, personalities, uh, any way that we could establish them as unique individuals with histories and grudges, feelings, and even, in Godzilla's case for sure, an arc. Uh, and and really peel back the layers of them versus just treating them like one-note giant monsters that come out, roar, smash things, and smash each other. Like really trying to understand that they, they have a mythological significance even. Mm -hmm. you, you sort of like talk about the fact that kind of like there's that mythology to it and stuff like that. Obviously, you, you've previously got experience in the X-Men films, right? Mm -hmm. So is there something that actually like naturally draws you to these kind of properties that have got rich, multi-layered kind of histories to them. Yeah, I love mythology. I think mythology is the reason that stories uh, can be so potent, they, that they aren't just stories for the sake of stories, but they have a deeper, almost subversive meaning at times. You know, X-Men's a great example because 
yes, sure, you could watch it just to see people with special powers fight each other, but you know, it doesn't take a genius to see that the X-Men have a very strong political message underneath it. Star Wars is the same thing. You can watch Star Wars and enjoy TIE fighters and X-Wings and uh, lightsabers and all of that sort of melodrama around it, but George Lucas very much wanted to make a story about spirituality mm -hmm. and the importance of spirituality in an age when we are obsessed with technology and warfare. Uh, that's there. You know, every good mythic story has something to say. Terminator, you know, commentary again on mankind's obsession with technology and the dangers of that. Uh, so I always sort of gravitate towards absorbing those stories, whether it be books, comic books, movies, and TV shows. And I think it just has an influence on my own work that, yes, you can have fun and you should have fun with the story, but you should be left with some nutritional value something left with your subconscious mind to chew on and hopefully better you. You know, Twilight Zone is the best example of that. Mm -hmm. there's, um, there's been a bit of a backlash, though, from certain sectors of the internet about kind of having politics in pop culture sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Do you think that's just like a phase that maybe the world's going through and they will eventually realize that actually it was important that X-Men was about civil rights and it is important that Godzilla has a nature kind of element to it? Um, I mean, not everybody likes to eat their vegetables. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say, I don't think that their, their opinions should be invalidated. I think if they have anything to say, people who say that they don't want a message or they don't like the message, maybe it's because the message is being presented in a way that's too overt, mm -hmm. too strong. And maybe this particular sector of the internet, you know, whether you want to call them I don't think it's fair to call them angry fanboys because I think that's just uh, overly simplistic and dismissive. Um, their opinions matter. You know, they've sure. been they've been fans of these properties for decades, and if they are upset about the way their particular brand, their genre is being portrayed, maybe it's because they're feeling a little left out. Maybe it's because the message is too overt or is excluding them. And so I can relate to that. Um, you know, and maybe the way they're expressing themselves is a little too harsh, but I don't think that they should be dismissed, um, you know, especially for properties that have been around as long as Star Wars and everything else. They should be listened to. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you, you are a fan of many properties that we've just uh, discussed. To spin it back around to Godzilla, um, when did you first get into Godzilla? Oh God, I was three or four. I mean, he's just he's just been with me for as long as I can remember. You know, it's hard to even pinpoint the exact time I met him, but it would definitely would have been around three or four because that was when there was a Hanna Barbera Godzilla cartoon <laughs> that was on, and that was one of the earliest impressions. And then those Saturday mornings and afternoons were also filled with the classic films on cable. Sure. And then, so, um, growing up, what was your favorite Godzilla film? Uh, it's, again, it's hard to pinpoint. As an adult, it's easy to go back and say the original 1954, mm -hmm. because it's a classic. Yeah. Uh, but as a kid, you know, I really loved the bright, colorful, what you could even call ridiculous uh, Showa era of Godzilla films where he's teeming up with all these other different monsters. I mean, they were, they were practically pro wrestling matches. Mm -hmm. Uh, but 
I would have to say the Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, because that was the first time you saw, that was the first team up of sure. Godzilla with the other iconic creatures. And so as a kid, that's mind blowing. You know, I imagine that's what a lot of kids today are experiencing when they watch Avengers yeah. and they see their favorite superheroes coming together in one film. So that film was the Avengers of Godzilla films and it definitely made an impression and laid the groundwork for other team ups and versus films. Mm -hmm. And Ghidorah is like, I mean, I know that Godzilla is the big guy in this film, but Ghidorah is kind of like the next one, right? Like yeah. he is astonished, like the design of that creature. So the thing that I find about it is, he's almost slightly Ray Harryhausen in the mm -hmm. way that kind of he looked. Was that a deliberate sort of thing? Absolutely intentional. I, I, I grew up obsessed with Ray Harryhausen films. Like they were up there with Godzilla films mm -hmm. for me uh, because Harryhausen had such a knack similar to Godzilla for uh, taking these mythological non-human figures and turning them into characters. Uh, you know, he would bring statues to life Mastheads on boats, uh, skeletons, and you felt them. You felt their presence. You know they were nightmare fuel in some ways as a kid, but also fascinating. You know there was a minotaur uh, that came to life. Um, he just had a knack for just literally animating these characters, uh, both in terms of you know the stop motion of it, but also giving them a heart and a spirit. So I wanted to do the same thing with Ghidorah. Whereas in the classic Godzilla films, he was an elaborate puppet and the heads bounced around on wires. Uh, I wanted to embrace that Harryhausen technique of just trying to imbue a non-human character with a spirit. Mm -hmm. I think the way that kind of he moves, like it was the face that reminded me the most of Harryhausen's mm. work. And because it's almost got that stop motion quality to it without the technological limitations, but the way it moves is, is so alien that mm. it, it, it practically it creeped me out. Like it is a giant monster and like that doesn't happen so much in movies anymore now we've got used to seeing movies to have this creature that has an unsettling face. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so as you say, there is a sort of pro wrestling kind of element to having these things. How do you like sit down and choreograph a monster battle? <laughs> uh, the same way I did as a kid. You have action <laughs> figures okay, and you draw pictures. Nice. And there were so many moments throughout the creation of this film where I had flashbacks to being a kid again, uh, to playing with my action figures, my Godzilla action figures, and pretending they were 400 foot tall monsters, to drawing pictures, working with other artists uh, who also grew up watching the classic films, who were just as much inspired by the old films. Uh, and it just kind of became like this Godzilla party. So working with the storyboard artists, previs artists, stunt coordinators, uh, it's a long process to sort of craft a, a single battle scene between these creatures involving a lot of uh, collaboration with very talented individuals, but it's always a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of kind of like, we discussed quite a bit about the mythology now of Godzilla um, and obviously the monster verse that is being created is this kind of larger, I sort of guess akin to the way that Marvel are building their sort of properties. Do you know that you've got all of these amazing kind of creatures from the history of, of cinema? Um, how do you carefully lay those pieces to make sure that the story is coherent? Because there are, is there 17 kaiju, 17 titans? And in counting. Yeah. How, how do you make sure it all just works? 
well, one thing, I mean, is that I love the Marvel films. What they've pulled off is, I mean, it's undeniable. It's an, a massive accomplishment. Uh, but Toho did it first. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, Toho, universal classic black and white monster movies sort of, I think, pioneered it. But Toho really grabbed the ball and ran with the idea of a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the first ones to have these individual monster movies, and they were the first ones to then take these individual monsters and fold them into uh, each other's uh, films. So the groundwork was already there. The inspiration for it was already there. Uh, they, they really knew how to build out the mythology uh, so that you knew when you were watching one film that you were seeing threads and breadcrumbs and Easter eggs that hinted at the other movies as well. So I honestly think that myself and my writing partner just sort of uh, picked up on that. You know, I think I think that energy that it's already baked into Godzilla. The idea that you're getting a peek into a very small peek, a sliver into a much larger mythology. Uh, so it's not that it wasn't difficult, uh, but again, it's, it's easier when uh, you're sort of being passed the baton from a very long legacy of these films. Mm-hmm. And in terms of kind of like, as I say, we've got certainly 17 mentioned titans in this film, but obviously there are a core set that become the focal point of the film. Mm-hmm. How did you choose which ones they were going to be? Uh, well, I mean, to be completely honest, Legendary had already secured the rights to Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah before I came on the project. Right. They secured those rights shortly after Gareth's film. Uh, because I think they even had the knowledge that these were sort of the crown jewels of the Toho universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they were the first creatures, they were the first kaiju team up. Yeah. So they were very smart in looking at the large menu of monsters that Toho had to offer and, and choosing them. So when I came on board, they said, hey, what do you think about including these guys in the sequel? And I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's like walking into a car dealership and like just <laughs> someone offering you the best possible cars, the, the most beautiful classic cars. And you, it's impossible to say no to that. I might have been a little bit more reluctant about Mothra uh, because she's so challenging mm-hmm. and different. Okay. Uh, but got over that very quickly and realized that was an opportunity and uh, just really grabbed onto them. Like I love them. So it was an easy yes. Mm-hmm. Mothra being obviously the more, I guess, genteel sort of, mm-hmm. of the Titan. What, what are the challenges then in making sure that she works? I think she does work in the film. Uh, I mean, she's the lone female. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's much more of a benevolent presence. Uh, she's a giant moth. <laughs> so there was a reluctance. Like, how do you make a giant moth cool? Sure. Uh, yeah, I can and, remember getting a text message from someone who doesn't know anything about uh-huh. uh, the Toho universe going, they've chosen a giant butterfly. And I was like, no, wait, wait, you'll Go see. with it. Yeah. yeah. And so just the sheer absurdity of, of Mothra was daunting until I realized, you know, sort of broke down, okay, well, what is she? And you realize she's the goddess. She's the queen of the monsters. Uh, and realized that I could use bioluminescence as a way to really portray her as something almost angelic. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you really explore Mothra's history, 
and the idea that she was worshipped as goddess, okay, well, what portrayal of her would make you want to drop to your knees and bow to her if you saw her thousands of years ago? And so just played with the idea that she would show up almost like, you know, the Virgin Mary in the sky, you know, or some form of, of an angelic presence. And that's where it, that's what got the ball rolling, you know, was the idea that it was about sort of the visual representation of her, lining it up to the mythic history of her, uh, and just realizing that's an opportunity. Uh, that and also how to, how to make her formidable. Uh, she's always been sort of a fighter in the, in the classic films, but in a very distant way. She would mostly sort of flap her wings and create winds. Every now and then she would blast lasers out of her antenna, <laughs> which uh, I quickly abandoned that idea. But the idea of making her an, an, an insect which could fight. So what seemed like a very daunting challenge quickly became a really tempting opportunity with her. Mm -hmm. So you ended up having effectively like these four sort of main characters. You were a bit sort of like whoever comes in after you. I know that obviously we've got Kong and uh, Godzilla next, but mm -hmm. if there is another film to follow that, they've like... I know they've got plenty of monsters left, but you made a big film. Yeah. Like, like you've, you've left quite a shadow, really. I went for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely went for it. Like, it is some of the biggest fights I've seen on a on oh, screen. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I think the opportunity is to then go intimate. Sure. In okay. So you know? large scale back to small scale again. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I don't mean you have to make like a quiet romantic dramedy out of the <laughs> creatures, but uh, I think it's almost the difference between a traditional X Men film where you have all of them like Days of Future Past, where it's just you have the X-Men in the future and the X-Men in the past, and it's an absolute melee, versus Logan, mm -hmm. which is a much smaller, intimate character drama. Um, so I think the, the opportunity in, in future MonsterVerse films is if you can't really go bigger, because, yeah, we went pretty much as big <laughs> as I think you can, uh, is I think you can sort of narrow the focus but still keep the intensity. You know, so maybe you narrow it down to like one or two creatures and a small selection of humans. I mean, Skull Island, I think, is a great example of uh, a big little monster movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's much more confined space, very small selection of characters, uh, but it still feels big, obviously. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a few references to, to Skull Island across mm -hmm. your, your film. Was there ever a temptation to pull Kong into it a little bit more than... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I did feel that in the end, if we pushed it any further, as far as referencing him is concer concerned, that it would distract. Yeah. You know, there's a brief moment where I thought, well, maybe he hears Ghidorah's call uh, when he when Ghidorah wakes up the other Titans. Um, but I think that if we showed him any more than we did people would naturally just want to lean in further to that or, or hope that he shows up in the final fight via helicopter or something. <laughs> uh, so we just sort of left him more in the background. Sure. Uh, in a, let's just say like, I could give you a bucket of money now and just say, <laughs> let's, let's make a, let's go on, let's make another one. Like how absurd would you like to see the Godzilla series go? Like, are we talking like, would you be interested in like a mecha Godzilla for the modern oh, age? Oh yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could, uh, I think you could be really interesting on television. Mm -hmm. You know, we definitely left the world in a very particular state at the end of this movie, which is worth examining further. 
the idea that the genies are really out of the bottle uh, and how would that ripple through our society? You know, how would that change our political structures, economic, social, et cetera, you know? Uh, but, uh, and there you could even tell smaller stories. You know, you could focus more on humans and push the creatures into the background and still be a very strong presence. Uh, you know, they would affect our, you know, our industries. Um, genetic engineering would suddenly be thrown for a loop. Uh, but I also, I think that you could study the creatures in different time periods. You know, this film definitely establishes that these creatures have been around for a very long time. Uh, so I would love to do Godzilla BC, huh. you know, which is almost yeah. like, you know, Godzilla in a sort of Conan the Barbarian or Game of Thrones setting. It'd be fascinating. It'd be really fun. Yeah, just you saying the Game of Thrones thing, the idea of like the political structure in a medieval yeah. time when they know that because obviously in game of thrones like dragons turn up but they're not even though they're a big presence in that story they're not for the wider westeros world right but like just having knowing that there's a godzilla off the coast yeah what yeah that will be like uh a world i'd want to live in you know <laughs> uh there's there's something fun about uh i love ancient mythology and lost civilizations and the idea that we had some previous connection to these creatures uh, in some undocumented period of human history, I just find that fascinating. You know that that these creatures are the source for all of our legends about giants and dragons and monsters, and we've simply forgotten that we've chalked it all up to to fairy tale and legend. Uh, so let's go back and explore how th those relationships happened, how we first encountered Godzilla and the other creatures. Um, yeah, I, I I call it Godzilla BC. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds brilliant. I would watch that. <laughs> as, a, as a final question, it's something that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Have you ever seen Christopher Nolan's The Prestige? Yes, of course. What do you think of it? I really love it. It's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually one of, that's one of uh, out of his body work, it's one of my favorites. I, I really love that it plays with perception and reality, as most of his films do. Um, but that he really, I love magic. You know, I'm, I'm a member of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, and uh, I love just the way he interweaves uh, stage magic into this human drama. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Michael. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. So that's it, Godzilla is out this week, but then also this week we saw our first proper glimpse at Death Stranding, uh, and it was also announced as coming out in November. Yeah, mm. so I just want to point out to all the people who disagreed when I said it would be out this year, earlier this year, fuck you! Oh, I believe I've now, well we don't know when Last of Us Part 2 is coming out, but I did make that bet with Dale that it would Death Stranding would come first. What? Unless Last of Us comes out believe, before November. If you believe Kotaku's Jason Schreier, you're on for the win. I think I am on for the win. But I, yeah, I can't see Last of Us coming out this year. No, no way. No. Like apart from anything else, why would you put those two yep. things right next to each other? I think also with Death Stranding, I'd be very surprised if it's delayed. I feel like with that game, they would they wouldn't have announced a date unless they definitely. Oh yeah, knew it's coming out. Here. Yeah, yeah, it's not getting delayed. Yeah. No, it was Famous one of the weirdest experiences no. with. Pretty much everyone in the office having that Twitch stream open with lots of oily hands yeah, all of, over yeah. the screen. It's annoying. It just put me on hold for about loop. two hours. I, I think was you like, were losing your mind. I know. I was like, I had to 
I was trying to note down everything I saw. There's and a new I, clip. I know. <laughs> that was the, yeah. If you if you weren't watching, they teased the fucking nine minute long trailer with uh, a, a stream that ran for something like nineteen hours, maybe to full twenty four by the end. Yeah, I'm not sure. Pretty much. Um, which would there was like black oil covering what was clearly clips of the game but then with the handprints that appear in the game slowly revealing more and more of the screen. Mm. And so we sat for a long time just looking through handprints. And like, He's got a ladder! It's a bloody ladder he's got! <laughs> just hearing muffled sounds and noises. My, I was going insane, yeah, but I also could had to, just in case the trailer did drop, I, just give us a time. It was genuinely exciting. It though. was good. Like I, I liked fully it. appreciate that sort of stuff, but... It really worked for me. Yeah, it just put me on hold for two hours of my life. Well, we got one vaguely successful story out of it, so don't worry about it. It did well. Yeah. Eighth eighth highest trafficking article of the week. Ooh, stats. Straight from the boss. (laughs) That's um, what you want. (laughs) But I really enjoyed that trailer. That's exactly what I'm going to say. (laughs) What? This trailer made me want to play that game. This is the first time I've fully gone, okay, this game could be for me. Yes. Um, I was saying prior to the trailer on the tweets that weirdly the thing it's reminding me of did either of you ever play i am alive i didn't play it no. but i do know of it, it was an ubisoft game that they were clearly designing as like a big new ip and then at some point they just fucking gave up on it and released it as like a sort of botched indie game it was before they started doing their ubr like little projects mm-hmm. right it was like the first i think it was digital only I would think it was one of the first digital only games they did for 360. Yeah. And it was a game about being in a post-apocalypse. And essentially, you're wandering about climbing stuff and just trying to survive very small-scale encounters. And it had some... Like, it was a bit fucked in a lot of ways, but it had really good climbing. Yep. Where it would... You had, like, pitons, so you could climb up your stamina meters going down. The only way to get that stamina back is to stick a piton in the side of a building or wherever you are. Gotcha. And then you get it back, and then yeah. you can carry on. So it became this, like, risk-reward system of how you climb stuff yeah. based on your do materials. I, do I get to shit in a street? Not that I was... Uh, not to my memory. It's not a real survival game. Though, but when it? I mentioned it, someone else also pointed out that there was a really cool mechanic in it where you always had a gun, but ammo was, like, one bullet at a time. Like, right. you are just loading it up. But if people came up to you, you could try and fake them out by pulling the gun on them and saying that it was loaded and then you had like this thing Mm. of maybe they'd respond or maybe they wouldn't all of which is to say the climbing element of (laughs) Death Stranding seems to me to be like the point like you're not able to really kill stuff from like the the BTs whatever they are the beached things Mm. apparently oh is that Uh, what it stands for yeah Ah. says it on the website it's go. not a PT. Well, it probably is a PT reference. Right. That he's yeah. lazy. It's not British Telecom. In. It's not British, British Telecom. That's haunting in its own way, though. It, it is. Um, but then they. So so it seems to be about finding your way through like a wilderness around that stuff. Right. And so you're using those ladders and ropes and things to get around and like using your materials yeah. wisely, which really reminds me of that. Yeah. And then also he's said afterwards, I can't remember where it was, that basically combat is absolute last resort right you should you could kind of tell from the trailer yeah but so he's like, described it as an action game so there's got to be more uh, to it than that yeah but then even the trailer we saw quite gun heavy bits i get the i think the gun heavy bits because he's talked before about how there's like two planes of existence yeah. there's the real world yeah, and yeah. hades or whatever mm-hmm. it is i think hades is going to be like action set pieces yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. the real world is your core gameplay and that's when you're really not meant to be fighting because you see those yeah. guys chasing him in the trailer i get that um 
Did we see that in the Hades bits, those gun bits, are you still playing as Norman Reedus? Or do you think you may be changing to Mads Mikkelsen? So that's weird. Have we seen Mads Mikkelsen in the real world? No. Well, with, think... there's those bits right at the start of the trailer where he's singing to you. Yeah. Yeah. But that Apparently the only like time the he's world. sung in his career, according <laughs> to Hideo Kojima's <laughs> tweets. She's <laughs> very. I, I love that. that as a sell. You pointed out this yeah. morning where he just goes. So to see Mass Mickelson <laughs> sing, play Death Stranding. <laughs> it's insane. What a mad bastard <laughs> he is. Um, I love it though. Yeah, but yeah. So I, th- I think you might be right. He might be a sort of like. Either you play as him, or he's mm. the antagonist in Hades, and the yeah. Gold Skull Man. They're is... very much setting him right. up as a villain in that trailer, but I don't know if that is a fake out. He does love Mass Mikkelsen. Maybe he's making him really nice. Mm. Um, and Nicholas Wine and Reffens in it, which is an absolute joke. Just their, well, and Guillermo del Toro, but yeah. as we found out, just their faces. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which yeah, is even yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. So someone's wearing their skin yeah. digitally to play them. It's very odd. Um, it's such a weird cast of people. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good now. Die Hard Man. Well, Die Hard Man's I, in I it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Good. Uh, I don't know. I'm fully into it now. Well, I'm I'm into it, but like a lot of the stuff, I was just thinking looks quite a lot like Phantom Pain there at mm. various places. We don't have um, like specific stats on this, but as an yeah. anecdotal thing, uh, there was some chat from our commerce team. Apparently, it's the fastest selling collector's edition we've ever had on the site. To get the baby. Yeah, to get yeah. the baby. Wow. To be fair, Which that is quite a good, it's quite mad. A good thing. What, I, what are you going to do with that? I don't Just want put a, it on a shelf. floating baby but in my house. that's weird. Uh, I'd what? like it here. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah yes. I'm not going to have it at home. Yeah, but that's what everyone's buying it for. Yeah. <laughs> Pop that but on yeah. the mantelpiece. So it seems Until like... we get a real one. It is mad. Like what, baby in a pod? No, <laughs> a pod. <laughs> every, time I, every time I've seen a previous trailer... For this game, all the chat's been. This looks weird. I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time I've seen a very, very positive response. Well, that's yeah. it. I've I've said that all the way through. Each time I see a new trailer, I've been less and less interested yeah. until this one, and it's a complete switcheroo. Yeah, so, you gotta love Kojima. He's. Yeah. I just hope I can't it's tell whether not. he's smart or lucky. I just can't <laughs> work it out. Well, he's done it enough times. He's got to. He's got to have something there. Yeah. He must I just do. hope it's. Like a fifteen-hour max story. That that is one I thing. Don't I don't want it, want it to, be, to go on forever and ever. He's yeah. still very mysterious about this online component of it. Like, well, does so this play into story? Is it a separate there's thing? There's a tiny bit about that on the website, which is something along the lines of, um, it's about assisting people. Mm. And the the biggest clue they give is that other players leave footsteps through the world, which makes sense with the invisible hands yeah. and that stuff. So I wonder whether. Do you think it's all asynchronous? I think it's Marvel. all asynchronous, and I think what it's going to be is that the open world, as time goes on, will essentially, you know, like desire paths, like where yeah. there aren't paths, but where people have walked, it's created yeah. natural yeah. paths. I almost think it's going to be that in the open world. So it's like when you first load it up, that world is empty and you have no idea where to go mm-hmm. and how to get around threats. And then as time goes on, more and more footprint paths will appear and you'll be like, oh, that's people leading me yeah, around yeah. Areas See, that's of a danger. really good idea. And I love it, that idea. And if it's not as good as that, then we'll be disappointed. Yeah. You should make games, Joe. Or, well, or, just, or I should just tell Kojima. That's what you should do with the game you've already basically <laughs> exactly. made. Yeah. No, I want mad singing. I do want mad singing. Um, yeah, I think it sounds really good. Yeah. I, I just, th- although this is that problem where I've made a game in my head. You're right. I've, I've created what I. <laughs> exactly. I am what alive with footprint desire exactly. paths. And it might not be that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you never know. It's going to be interesting. I'm it, gonna. It's 
I'll definitely play it. That's all I can say. It it's is, got me. It is really nice to have a game coming out where I both feel very confused about what it is, but basically excited for yeah. it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of that these no, days. No. These days, especially from like big AAA games like yeah. that. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Hmm. Also this week, we've got our first glimpse of the rebooted Modern Warfare. Yeah. Which it's such... Like, I, I don't care what they call it. I think people are going over the top no. and saying, you've called it Modern Warfare again. But it, just... It's bonkers. I just want the <laughs> messaging to be clear of, is this a re... Because like, right at the end of that trailer, they say, like, we're getting some old... Is yeah, it old exactly. comrades back Something together? Something like that, So yeah. there's obviously going to be characters from Modern Warfare in it. Apparently, I read today that the, I think it's the multiplayer will have specialists, not operators, right. okay. who have gear that's apparently reminiscent of classic missions from Modern Warfare. Right. So I wonder if it's right, like right, an homage. Right, right. That's almost what I got from the trailer. I, what, for the first 30 seconds, I thought, are Call of Duty just making a version of Siege? Right. I don't think they are. No, I don't think. But I, like, that there may well be core audience. no one else has really. They've never really done that sort of multiplayer before. There might be a mode that is similar to Siege. Who knows? Wouldn't surprise me. It's got yeah. a lot of players because yeah. a lot yeah. of that. They've done the trailer battle is, royale thing. Yeah, that sort of scenario. It looked a lot of like infiltration, and it wasn't like open battles necessarily. I'm, I must admit, I haven't watched the trailer yet because I wasn't that interested. <laughs> uh, what's in it? <laughs> well, there's lots of shooting, okay. but a lot of it is like. Mm. Tactically stealth entry into buildings There's a lot and of stuff night like vision. That. Does it look like multiplayer? There's a lot of ghillie suits and well, night vision. It looks like campaign to me. Yeah, right. I, I, th- yeah. I think it's, you know, uh, AI people. Mm-hmm. But it depends how that plays out in the game. Because if it's, you know, you break into a building and then it just reverts to corridor shooter, waves of people until you progress, that's just not interested. Mm-hmm. If it actually does what Modern Warfare did in Spats, you know, with like the, the giddy suit mission mm-hmm. and the whatever the aeroplane mission was, so it was like oh, you know, yeah. the tempo of that game surf. was brilliant. Um, if it does a lot of that, which it seems to be doing, it's ba- they've pulled out all the best bits of the previous Modern Warfares and condensed yeah. it into a greatest hit by like, the looks of it. That mm. trailer at times did look like a full-on remaster. Like you've got very similar shots of like flying in a helicopter over a Middle Eastern sea and yeah. bombs are going off. It's... It's like very much set now. Like terrorism not, in they like didn't Big Diddy Circus. Yeah. Like, oh, they've done that before as well, haven't they? Uh, they've done. Three. They've done. We, was it three? Yeah, whichever London, one. There was a yeah, London was one like a, on the tube. But yeah, it looks like attack, they've gone. It, it, yeah. It's back to modern warfare. It didn't from what I saw, there wasn't too much of any advanced tech in there. No. So good. Yeah, it, it which seems stop very, putting fucking drones in it's, stuff. It's, it's, it's current. I day, love modern like, warfare. Modern warfare too. A lot of warfare. Warfare. A lot. Like, I played a lot of multiplayer in those games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even the campaigns, I think, are brilliant. Three was a slight disappointment, but I never really got into Black Ops as much. No. But I love the first scene, one more for And if it is that sort of campaign, I doubt, I, I can't see myself getting back into Call of Duty multiplayer personally. No, no, no. no. Well, I, well, that's it. I just want a really if interesting good, eight yeah. hour story. Yeah. So I still think, yeah, no one really, apart from. The odd thing like Doom does a single player shooter yeah. campaign like Call of Duty well yeah that's true we go. I, need, I do need to play that, that yeah. is, is that, it's one of those disgraceful yeah it's one oh of the disgraceful black like, marks on my name and that is like six hours I know and I keep meaning to do it just do it just do I will it. just do it tomorrow if it was on the Switch I'd do it on my flight next week but it's not on the Switch is it no so there we go <laughs> why are you blaming me I'm blaming so, you because you're you Okay. A couple of things about Call of Duty. So I thought it was a lot like Zero Dark Thirty, the film, okay. as a game, which, that which is an absolute banger. I think is a good thing. 
Now, the only other thing is like, so they've got children in there, like wearing gas masks, like freedom fighter kind of stuff. Mm. Mm. And with whatever the last World War Two one was called, I can't remember. Uh, obviously, wasn't it just World War Two? Maybe, yeah, I think so. but they yeah. had the whole like Auschwitz bit at the end, and they were like, oh, we're, did they? We're going to take war very seriously, but it felt like a bit of a cop out yeah. in reality. And apparently, they're they're going to go sort of full on grip with this one, but I I kind of feel like it might be the same sort of thing. It's just but so there's un- that thin line, isn't it? You don't want it, like you want them to take seriously, but I also don't want to be responsible for drone bombing a school. Well, I didn't really mean that, but I was. Well, I know. Like, <laughs> but if but they like, want to make you feel terrible, I, think I don't want to be doing terrible things. Like you're like, playing as one of the kids who's being whatever. You're on the receiving end of it, or something. so oh, you're you think you'd play as the child running? I haven't made the game, that but sounds, that's. I just I feel like, know. in terms of impact, you know, mm. with like the no Russian level and stuff like that, that is impactful. Mm. Yeah, I always like no Russian to me was always a bit too much. I didn't need to do all that personally. That's it was the whole point of it. But yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, but I. But it's yeah. designed to make you feel like that. Like uh, I, I think yeah, yeah. I think it's basically a success. But I just don't want them to do it again. Yeah. It's no. like you made you made a very good point that yeah. you can't upkeep because you keep making games about shooting people and how nice it feels. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a really tough thing. Yeah. Not mm. one that I'm going to solve now. But no. So, All right. Sorry about that. Should we talk about Blood and Truth instead? Yeah, shooting Ooh, people for fun. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> there we go. That is a game that doesn't take itself seriously, which is why I enjoy it so much. You finished it now, right? No, 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 no. I'm only had... like halfway through. Oh, lovely. Uh, but it is stupid fun. It is. I kind of echo Jesse's sentiments a little bit from when he played it that it does make me a little bit ill the movement right mainly when you're sitting in a car and you just don't get that sensation of a car stopping and like your stomach moves mm. and your yeah. and your body doesn't oh, that's interesting <laughs> um but the actual movement's not too bad for me the walking around and kind of floating along the floor because it's it's quite gentle place or? you're at times you are but right. they slow it down. it may seem stupid but when you're in the moment it doesn't feel stupid like you're running through corridors but you're not running you're moving quite slowly Right. So you're basically walking through these corridors. Yep. And well, it's kind of like Time yeah. Crisis. They're always it is basically about. a re- it is basically a VR Time Crisis set in a Guy Ritchie world. Th- I mean, that is a hundred percent a sell for me. Yeah. Like, I love yeah. that. Um, and it it's just really fun. There's so many little quirks. Like the main mechanic is obviously shooting, and it's just something really satisfying about um, just like putting a move controller behind your back and clicking the trigger, and then you pull it back, and you've got a gun, and you like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've never held a gun in. Well, obviously, I've never held a gun in real life. I've never shot what kind a gun. Of gun are you keeping over your back? A little like submachine. Uh, you wouldn't keep that over your back, would you? You would if you're a special ops man. I did, and I have special ops. Yeah. But there's me. like you can do the basic thing of like if you want to. So you keep ammo in your chest pouch, and yeah. you have a gun in. So you have a gun in your right hand. So you, with your left hand, you go to your chest, you pick it up, and put it in the gun, mm-hmm. and. That's the basic way of doing it, which is the way it teaches you. But there's ways it doesn't teach you. So you could throw that ammo clip up in the air and catch it in the gun with the other hand. Nice. Can you miss? I think. Or is you it can. fairly forgiving? If it's fairly forgiving. Okay. And because that would be funny. Yeah. Got to pick it up. Bloody hell! It's just really like the little stuff like that is really fun, and there's lots of little collectibles in every level, and the story is like a typical, like. London gangster story that doesn't ever actually exist in London <laughs> but uh, at one point a guy just looks in your face and goes I'm a businessman yes please <laughs> and it really really made me laugh <laughs> this is I'm sure the reaction they were hoping for yeah but now, basically my... the the rough story is that you are a 
I think you're a special ops soldier and you come you're brought back from the Middle East. So the first fifteen minutes, which I think is what Jesse played, is like the tutorial section and on rails shoot a bit in the Middle East and you're brought back from service because you get the news that your dad has died. And then that kicks off kind of this gang family gang war in London, so someone's trying to take over your business. And I've played the next mission off that is kind of one that's in a, a casino. And I don't want to ruin the set pieces, but there's just really cool moments where you like break into buildings, slow-mo happens. Mm. So it's basically like slow-mo Max Payne, but first person, and right. I'm shooting them. So I was going to say, the my favourite bit in the London heist, is the um, which is the spiritual yeah. predecessor to this, which is you're in a van yeah. going along the motorway, mm-hmm. and... A, it's really fun to be in that van because everything moves. You can adjust stuff. That's like, the same in this about. one. I was driving. So, like, the intro tiles is uh, cut in between you and a car being driven by your brother. And I was just on the motorway driving from Heathrow, just opening the car door on the motorway. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just leaning out and adjusting the air con. <laughs> so, like, that's really good. And then that bit ends in a big gunfight, which ends in a slow motion bit where a guy's flying past yeah. your window. And, like, it feels fucking incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's so, and it's, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you get used to it, like, just being a, you have to think that you genuinely have to duck and move your head to take cover. Okay. So, so you look like, mad. I was going to say, I you probably you look like do look right mad. I don't think anyone's seen me play it yet, but yeah. I imagine I look insane just <laughs> ducking under like casino tables, trying to get little pop shots off at people. But there's some really cool set pieces, like massive explosions, like everything you'd want. If you've seen the trailer, you, you'd it's what you'd expect. The bit I'm not looking forward to from the trailer, which I have seen, is the way you jump off a crane. Oh yeah, that is. And I'm I might have to close my eyes on that bit. Yeah. Oh come that will on. Make my, it's not necessarily. I'm not too bad with heights. It's just going to be that feeling of falling and my stomach not as a, as I said before super hot vr is the best yeah vr shooter i've played but mm-hmm. there is a bit where you have to jump off a building and it feels fucking disgusting yeah. <laughs> like, it's one of the worst i know they've done it on purpose but mm-hmm. it's one of the worst feeling things i've done in vr yeah. and i don't know why they made me do it <laughs> it Aww. made me sad but i'm halfway through good. i've got probably like 3 hours i think it's roughly 5 hours long mm-hmm. and there's collectibles, so you can always go back and find stuff. And there's like little trophies you can get. So like sometimes, so you can like um, collectibles unlock like weapon skins and stuff like that for your guns. But the way you do it is you go to like your weapons cabinet, hmm. then you go to an actual workbench and spray paint it. So that sounds spray, fucking awesome. Yeah. So it's little things like that, which normally would just be a menu, but you yeah, manually yeah. do it. And it, like there's little like balls of paper around with like basketball net, little oh, office yeah, basketball yeah. nets. And you have to throw them in. You get a little trophy if you do that. Because I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "That's a bronze trophy, isn't it?" Yeah. <laughs> so I spent about five minutes trying to do it because obviously my controller wasn't quite calibrated. And I was like, "I'm throwing it. I'm good at throwing, of course, yeah. but it's Control. not going in. Throwing. I'm good yeah. at throwing, and it's not going in." Is it? Um, <laughs> is it the best VR game you've played? I wouldn't go that far. I still think Astrobot is maybe Astrobot, or is it a better shooter than Robo Recall? I haven't played Robo Recall. What? It's fucking incredible. Well, maybe I should play that then. But yeah, it is stupid Hollywood fun mm-hmm. in VR, and I highly recommend Does it. it. Actually, that's a better question. Does it feel like the first AAA game in VR? Oh, that I've played? I'm trying to think. To me, Astrobot... Just would you call Astrobot AAA? I don't think I would. No. no. It's... Yeah, it's up there. Oh. Let's put it that way. Sounds it's impressive. It's very much worth playing. I'm... 
very happy that my favourite PlayStation World game seems to have turned into an actual yeah. game, which is really nice. It's, and at least it wasn't the shark one, just six hours of sitting in a tank. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> what, just really relaxing. <laughs> what, getting a shark attack? Yeah, just watching the shark have a go at me. You're a psycho. You'd probably run out of air after, what, half an hour? Do you know what I want now, yeah. though? God- Probs. Godzilla VR, and I'm Godzilla. Wrecking about. shop. I mean, that... Um, there's that Nintendo... Oh, 100... F- there's the 100-foot robot golf is a bit like that, I Yeah, think. actually, that was quite rubbish, but... Yeah, um, unfortunately. I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't mind one of those ones where you're just wandering about, smashing stuff. I just, like, somehow if it can detect my mouth and I just breathe <laughs> can... blue fire down please people's throats... Please detect my mouth! <laughs> oh, please! <laughs> Why like... would anyone detect my mouth? You sound like one of those people who sends in bespoke custom porn <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> Maybe you could do it through the microphone, so every time you go, ah, it breathes Detect my mouth so Godzilla can do something down it. <laughs> I want Alan Partridge to me, I'm just in his radio station. I would actually Pressing be buttons. Good. Oh, just messing up I want up everything in VR. <laughs> messing up someone's stuff for them would be actually I want to good. escape my sordid little life and enter someone else's. <laughs> into, into an equally sordid and little life. Yep. It's my idea of fun. Well, that's that, isn't it? That is that is it. That is. Should we move on? <laughs> that's yes. it. Uh, it's time for the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. It's the endless search. Right, uh, sort of a bit of a rushed one this week because we forgot. Mm. Uh, but I've got I've got what I think is a good game. I trust you. Which is something along the lines of Pointless meets Google Whack, but with a Twitter twist. Uh, <laughs> okay. Words that can mean nothing to anyone. I'm gonna search the. Uh, entire tweet history of one Hideo Kojima. Yeah, is his, this from his English? His account? English only okay. account. Yeah, uh, which is w- there's thirty two thousand tweets on there. Oh, that's too God. many. Uh, thirty two point two thousand. I should if say. If he'd done ten thousand less, we might have the game by now. He started in. <laughs> he started in uh, twenty ten, February twenty sixth, twenty ten. As I said earlier, mm. we're going to search the entirety of that. I want it. What I want is each round, both of you suggests a word right. that he okay. may have tweeted. Then I search for that word, and whichever one has been tweeted the least of those two words wins. I get it. What is it, like five points? Are we doing five? To- yeah, let's do five. Okay. okay. We'll see how it works. But obviously if he hasn't tweeted it, all we get. Yeah, if you get zero, yeah. you're out. So it tells you how many he- times he's tweeted. Well, I can count them. Oh, yeah, but I, if I it's want you more to pick. Than... He's done 32,000. Like... Well, pick something obscure. Well, the then. point right. is that you're trying to get don't... the no, I know. one that's been tweeted don't once. Don't write metal. Don't, or... don't put metal. <laughs> snake. Snake. <laughs> I stranding. get it. I get it. Weirdly, the word sausage, he's tweeted a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I've kicked me mic all over the place. Um, so, oh Cardi, if you would start. Am I going first? Oh, I'm just going to pick a random. It's got to be something just random that he might have tweeted. Yeah. I'm going to say that once he might have tweeted about a lovely pasta meal. Pasta. I'm going He's, pasta. He tweets so much about food. That's what I've gone for. I've chosen something that maybe the Japanese don't have often. Loads. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, <laughs> 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Cut this out. 
I'm amazed. Wait, I know how I can do this. Uh, he's done, f- I think, 47 tweets about, about pasta. pasta. Right. Most of which are close-up shots of pasta, which <clears throat> look what? like fucking okay. guts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's done four. I thought he'd maybe so done one. <laughs> What? He's done 32,000 tweets. He's yeah, a mad bastard, man. 40-odd about pasta. Right, I'm going to continue <laughs> the food theme. Yeah. And I'm going to go watermelon. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I like that. I don't know why. Um, I hope it's zero. Watermelon. Do we get a special prize if it's just one? You win. Oh, okay. No, you don't win. Um, We've got to do this with <gasps> ourselves one time, so I'll see what freaky stuff. Three. Yeah. Oh, yes. What? A He's got one, which is <laughs> why. Right. This is mad. Right. This is just a tweet. It says barbecue and the game of split the watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of a barbecue, him and with a beer, and loads of split up watermelon. Okay. Uh, what is mad? A watermelon bust event at Midtown of Rising. <laughs> no idea. And. Oh, and there's a watermelon in a... Oh, that's actually really good. He's got a Metal Gear Rising thing. You know, remember in Metal oh, Gear Rising, he cuts yes. up watermelons? Yes, yes, there's yes. an action figure that comes with a watermelon. You only tweet yeah, about yeah. that once. That's what Split the Watermelon must be about. This must oh, be a celebration of Metal Gear ah. Rising. I'd like to say that I considered pasta. that. <laughs> I, I just, just want to think... say, this game is already a roaring success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, you have to go first okay. this time. I think we should do Dale's tweet, see what um, sort of naughty stuff he's been tweeting. I about. mean, we could change people. I'd like Kojima because no, he's got, no, okay. Kojima's yeah. got a big yeah. element. Right. What's Godzilla um, been tweeting? Oh, don't, definitely don't say Godzilla. <laughs> Joe will be there forever. Yeah, if you did that, I'd go Gojira and see which watermelon's great. I'm going to say... I can't just do food. All I've got is foods. I'm going to say president. President. <laughs> I reckon there's going to be a lot there of that. There might be. I mean, there was a president in Melbourne. So he'll be talking about, he might talk about Sony president. Right, there are about. president tweets. You don't have to count, Mike. It's, it's, it's nine. 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 Oh, you counted them before I answered. See if there's that... any interesting ones. Um, Game on, Carly. Uh, Here we go. President Obama and President President Medvedev signed a new pact to reduce the stockpile of nu- nuclear weapons a couple days. <laughs> There you go. I could go. Political insight. I could see like if he's spelt something wrong. Does I, that count? Can yeah, I go for as, a misspell? As long as it has been yeah. tweeted. No, I'm going to go for something that I feel like he might have done a couple of times. Like, <laughs> something random. Jupiter. Jupiter. <laughs> he does like he tweeting likes, about space. But is he? If you want a fun couple of minutes, I once sang a whole improvised song on my SoundCloud about uh, all the tweets where he'd said about how much he yearns to go to space. <laughs> you are mad. We got Jupiter. Three! Ooh. Yes! He's got a picture of the sun and it just says, looks like Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sun. Oh. It's so weird. He's done two of the sun that look like Jupiter. Are we saying we get one point each though? We're not doing a combined total of... What do you mean? We're, oh no no it's each round okay, it's per cool. round also one of his tweets is about the when they took the decimer engine to make uh, Death Stranding so we decided to make the rocket by reforming their engine and by doing so it enables us to go to the Mars but even to the Jupiter <laughs> to the Jupiter yeah okay. I fucking love him I'm gonna <sighs> that must be sad. that's weird. one all. Mm. Yeah, I, f- I love this game I just want to see if he's tweeted certain words to be honest <laughs> oh, you're allowed to see that just, yeah how many times anything. has he tweeted the word sexy? 
we go. Yes, please. Four. Four. Oh, in, what, in what context? Uh, mostly about Mads Mickelson. <laughs> there is one about oh. Mads Mickelson. Oh my God, this is mad. My favourite actor, Mads Mickelson's interview is in Cut this month. Not many actors who is so cool and sexy in blood. <laughs> my God. <laughs> he loves the sexy dress Amy Adams wore in American Hustle. Mm, okay, oh. calm down, mate. God, this is a good game. I'm a genius. I, f- I feel like we should give both answers before the score. I, no, it's knows very he has to one go. person. I like the idea that it's one not as if it's helping it. me. <laughs> like, oh, got to think of an answer that's got less than three. Is like, I know, but you got to go really out there now, aren't you? Yeah. So I was going to originally go for Chainsaw, but then I thought he's probably going to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre quite a few times. Well, it's interesting. It, we <laughs> were talking about blood. this only yesterday. Chainsaw in. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is spelled as two words, which is mad. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I'm going to go but with what he I, might not I'm not going to change it. That. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say chain. 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 But he's but talking about all about connecting Imagine things. if he loves no, Fleetwood Mac, you're fucked. Right, <laughs> he probably does, yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm definitely not going for midget. Eight chains. Oh. Oh. Uh, two, one. I don't know. Oh, they're all about keychains. Yeah. What else have mm. we got? Drones and proxy war. <laughs> yeah, it's all keychains. It's not right. that fun, this one. Two to play. <sighs> Just got a missed call Go from the PR, but I don't give a shit because this game's too good. I hope, I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> Come on now. I know. I've got one in mind. Is that Have right? you? Oh, yeah. I can't believe Pasta was the most searched oh, dear, of all right? of 47 or what? Yeah. That was a guesstimate. Helmet. <laughs> helmet. He, there must have been some merch that was a helmet. Four. Only four. What I like, uh, one of them's about Ludens. Of course. Uh, of course. Yes. The best one, though, is a picture of him and some other guy, oh, yeah. I think his producer, just of them in like army helmets. And it just says, guys who do not look good in helmets. <laughs> He's honest. He's got a sense of humour. That was 2011. Four. That was pre beard I'm going to have a hark back to last week's podcast. And I'm going to say he's discovered the joy of Pringles. 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 With the S. Yeah, I want Pringles. Zero, you lose. Oh, oh I thought he of might have had a Pringle. He said Pringles. He might have. Oh, you saying he hasn't gone in a shop in America or something and gone... Got some Pringles. That's the sort of shit he t- <laughs> tweets. Had some Fair Pringles. Not. Oh, you got me there. Had some Pringles with Midjure. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. all right. You're that, in. That is the kind of stuff he does. Yeah. Uh, what, what are we on score? Two all. Two all. With one yeah. to play. Well Thank you for uh, keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is so a big is this, one then, isn't it? This is, this the is for the finale. win. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do we need to flip for who goes first? Well, why don't we both turns. say? I love it. There we go. Right. Oh, I've got right. a think on first. Yeah. They're just uh, listening. They're just looking at, looking the at the room, well. <laughs> just being like, "What's in a room that Kojima would like?" But um, not too much. Yeah. Hmm. 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 The problem is, you're looking at a room full of gaming tabs, yeah. and the thing that Kojima loves, <laughs> apart from space and food. Tits. <laughs> oh Do we know God. he likes that? <laughs> Have you seen how much he? Yeah, yeah I was just trying to. Defend I mean, he's him. not Hideki Kamiya, but no. he's he's. Um, 
Okay, let's just think so. I'm going to go for... Da, 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 da. Hmm. I'm, oh, I'm just going to pick a word. I'm going to say he's visited. Visited? I'm going to say a city. Oh, I see. I'm going to go for a city. city. Oh. <laughs> That's quite good. Um, I'm well, going to say... say it yet. Yeah, don't say oh, it okay. I'm, I'm, All right, okay. Well, how are we going to do it? Should we write them down? We we'll just, we'll just say it. I'll he's say mine one, and you say yours. He's got right. one in his head. You just think. All right, I've, I've got one. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to double barrel. Clamp. Oh. Clamp. Yes. Clamp. I'm going to go Vienna. So I'm going to say he's either been oh, to Vienna say, or he, he likes Vienna sure? by... He's friends with Midjur. His he, most famous song oh, being shit. Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> it's all subconsciously think, in my head. I think we've got... <laughs> Two ends of the spectrum here. I think you're going to have loads, but I think you might have none. <laughs> so let's go Vienna first. All right. Clamp. Oh, completely Clamp. forgot. <laughs> no, I, I completely forgot. I was singing that earlier as well. First all... one, gift from Midge Sam. <laughs> Vienna. Oh god. <gasps> Is that it? One. Yes. No way. That's a one. Yes. Holy shit. Gift He's from never Mid- been. Gift from Midsand, Vienna, 2000 limited white vinyl version. Thank you very much. He is not a bigger yes. fan as I thought he was. <laughs> he so likes Ultravox's deep catalogue. That was so genuinely exciting when I scrolled down and saw that it had the little bird icon to tell me there's no more. I was like, oh, he's done it. We got a one. All right. Ooh. So if it's clamp, <laughs> if there's one clamp, we've got to play again. <laughs> clamp. Tenth, no results. Oh. So close. Well done, Simon. Thank you, Fiano. And I oh. thought you'd properly screwed it there. Yeah. What? But it turns out it could have been a hundred and I would have won. So yes, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. What a great game oh. by me. Thanks, me. Well done, <laughs> you. Feedback is it? Yeah. I've just got a piece of, a piece of feedback here from Ronan Cahillane. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I might be wrong. Simply says, lads, Thai sweet chili sensations? Question mark. Don't like them. What? Neither not do I. I'm not a big fan. Excellent crisps. I know that everyone, like my sister that, loves them. A lot. Most people I meet love I th- them. I yes. think they're one of the most. I think they're be- fine. I think they're one of the most beloved crisp flavors in the country. Yep. And I don't get it. So you know for what? me. If I'm going for sensations, I'm either going for the roast chicken and thyme, oh. or I'm going for the onion. Is it onion and vinegar? I'm just it's a mad. I'm just no. not a sensations fan. fan. No, really? I think they're a bit sharp. I could mm, eat not a, in whole, texture. a whole packet of the Thai sweet chilies. The big ones. Yeah, the really? big ones. Yeah. Literally I'm pour them down my Walker's throat. I'm choosing Max over Sensations. I'm choosing Muchos, mate. Yeah, love you, Muchos. <laughs> Nowadays. That? They're the new McCoy's <laughs> ones that he keeps buying, and I keep I've eating half the packet. <laughs> <laughs> You've bought them three times, haven't you? No, oh, I've bought them twice, actually. I bought the cheese ones. Yeah. And I bought the smoky chilli chicken ones. Smoky chilli chicken ones were yeah. fucking Maybe we good. need to get some later. Obviously... I need crisps now. I've not been on this podcast for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone off the rails. crisp chat, which, which I'm that fine with. just yeah. last week. The amount of feedback we got... I reckon we had more feedback about crisps last week than we had about E3 Anything? last year. <laughs> yeah. People love crisps. <laughs> Have we ever done sweets? Oh. Because... I know what, I know what you're about to say. Do you? Yeah. I, I know. It's a personal favourite of yours. Oh. The the squashies, yeah, oh, the, squashies. They oh, are, they're like drumsticks, but um, you can just squashier. shovel them in your face, and yeah. you don't have to chew them. Really, you just oh man, they are the best in the world. <laughs> that does sound good. I've not had enough of them. I haven't. Well, yeah. do you know what? Maybe I'll buy a packet and then eat them in, in front of your face. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Um, do you know what I discovered recently through outside Xbox's Mike Channel, hmm? Internet Celeb, uh, <laughs> that in France 
they do Orangina flavoured Haribo Tankfastics and they are fucking incredible (laughs) they're so good so I went I went to France twice in a week, which was mad. Yeah. Uh, and the first time I went, Mike said, oh, God, I've just brought these back. They're incredible. And he gave me one. I was like, oh, my God, they are. So I went, like, it felt like I'd gone back to France just to buy some fucking and you got Orangina. Some. I bought like six packets. Wow. And took them home. Well. And they are gone. I can't, remember last time, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I bought a packet of sweets. I've gone off sweets big time. I have um, chocolate, but I'm more savoury sweet. than sweet. Yeah, I must say. Like, I'd rather have a packet of crisps than a packet of sweets. I'd, both. I'd rather have ah, come on. a fridge raider. Love a fridge raider. Just a packet of chicken. Do you? Yeah, just some chicken. Mm. I just like savoury snacks. I know, but... But I don't really snack at all. Even fridge so. raiders, that's literally the lips and arsholes all crunched together, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't want to get too, <laughs> too into the weeds with our personal discussions, but at Dale's wedding at the weekend, Sorry. I drunkenly spent quite a long time... Uh, talking about how I would definitely indulge in consensual cannibalism. Yeah, so, you would oh. say, you'd like to shave off the meat of someone's foot. Well, and... there is a famous story in which a man had his foot amputated. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with the foot, it just had to come off. Yeah. can't remember why. Uh, and he turned it into tacos for his friends. Hmm. I'd 100% try that. That's and, the only said, way I'm ever going to legit I said I would not, so I have no desire to eat human. No. And this turned into almost an hour worth of heated debate where about why Joe's mad. I thought you were there, I can't remember. I don't remember that. But like I'm, I'm someone else at that table was going to eat a foot taco as well. It was I'm Cooper, anti cannibalism. Yeah, me and yeah. Cooper get it. Yeah, you want to eat humans? And I was sitting yeah. there thinking, why are these people my friends? You know who I am? I'm Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I you look, look sexy good in, in blood. <laughs> okay. Have you got any feedback? I've got an email from Harley Messenger who says he's going on a three-week business trip to Italy, followed by a ten-day holiday. He's a businessman. He is a businessman. In a few months, I recently purchased a Switch and only have a couple of games, and he's finished them all. Oh. Uh, can you recommend some games to keep him busy whilst away? Usually plays PS4 and plays games such as The Witcher, God of War, etc. But he's open suggestions on the Switch of any genre. Ooh, I'm about to. He so might I, even try indie games. Might he? <laughs> That's the wow. Good so on him. I've got. A, I'm doing the same thing. I've got a flight on Monday away for a couple of weeks, and I'm loading up my Switch at the weekend. With what? With what exactly? Uh, I'm gonna go revisit Resi Four. Quickly decide if I'm into it again or not. The problem the with that are one a bit is. Rubbish. Mm, I think it's thirty pounds. I know, uh, right? Absurd. Exactly. Yeah. It is too much. But I'm going to give a couple of glowing endorsements from Glow Joe Glow Scrabbles. Hello, Joe Scrabbles. Um, <laughs> Steam World Quest. That was not quite a glowing endorsement. It's just an endorsement. I liked it. Uh, okay. I think it's very good. One that's more definitely more glowing. Katana Zero. Yes, I'm going to give that a big old bang. Got to play a bang on Katana. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going by uh, what is it? Harley. Yep. Yeah. What Harley said. I don't know what games you already have, but if you like those games, play Zelda. It's the best game ever made. That's true. <laughs> Just in case you haven't, That's... play it. It's the best mm. game ever made. Okay. It is. Two um, people out of three say that. So therefore it's lore. And what else is fantastic on there? Uh, oh, play Dragon's Dogma. Stuff. I've been playing mm. a lot of Dragon's Dogma recently. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that game has not aged, except in the ways it was already <laughs> aged when it came out. <laughs> yeah. Is that a good thing to recommend? I think it's one of the most interesting RPGs ever made. And okay. I do think it directly influenced Zelda Breath of the Wild, and okay. I will have a feature on that in the coming weeks. Ooh. Something that's been passing the time well on flights of me the last month or so is the Phoenix Wright trilogy. Oh, that You can is do a- one of those cases, and it lasts like probably two or three hours, but it makes time, makes time fly by, because you're basically just basically a film you're just in a story yeah, yeah. and like a funny one yeah um, oh there's gotta be more we've done a there's bad job here. Hand of Fate 2 is very good I like that a lot 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should have brought in my Switch. I've got mm. so much on there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number three. Luke Gorman. <laughs> and it's titled, Re the Red M&M's Dick. <laughs> Which was another a discussion that started about. last week. Since you've been last on the podcast hour, Joe's gone off the rails a bit. I and just we've been Joe. looking. Yeah, yeah. Just I've, been, I've been clean. Look, um, you, uh, let's get your opinion on this. All right. Have you seen that advert where the man walks in on his wife and she's in bed yes. with the red M&M? Yes, yes. What are they doing in there? He hasn't got a dick. <laughs> doesn't she Doesn't she say like... He say Maybe like a... she was biting on this. Like in the insinuation that it's almost your cannibalism. cannibalism. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that um, German lad in the bath who had his <laughs> dick cut off. Sorry, Remember that? what? It's a famous... How, how many a, of these do you know? It's a famous court case where a German man was in a bath. His fetish was to have his penis eaten by someone. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Yes. There we yeah. go. It's like that, but yeah. for M&Ms. I'd do that as well. <laughs> so did he, did he once have a penis and she bit it off? That is a conspiracy theory worth looking into. Get in touch. <laughs> Uh, Luke Gorman says, read the red M&M's dick. Not really, though. Just wanted to have Joe shout that again on the podcast this week. You got that and more, Luke. <laughs> Definitely some kind of grey worm slash Missandei situation there. Yeah, fair play. Is With the yellow one just watching? The yellow one's in the cupboard. Just watching. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. That <laughs> it's funny because they're cartoon peanut M&M's. Or yeah. one M&M and a peanut M&M, to be yeah. precise. But uh, you, if you really think about it, uh, one of them's in the a voyeur. Yeah. The husband's a cuck and the red <laughs> guy's a cannibal victim. <laughs> Luke actually wants to talk about what our hopes for E3 are. Uh, he's hoping for some info on what Rocksteady are working on, a reveal of Batman Court of Owls, a release date info and gameplay for The Last of Us 2 and Ghosts of Tsushima. My way out there hope my way out there hope is to have some info on a God of War sequel. What? Uh, and then he says nice things about us. Oh. Well, um, I think three of those are Sony games who aren't at E3. There is that. <laughs> but they uh, are doing a... They'll a, do something. A direct or something they'll like that, something. aren't they? They'll do something, surely. Whatever they call them. I can't decide now that we know Avengers is going to be there, yeah. if Rocksteady will be there. It's about time we knew what Rocksteady was to. Both of those things to. have been worked on for so long. Yeah. And between Crystal Dynamics and Rocksteady, that's two studios that people just want to know what they're doing yeah. next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would Rocksteady's be through PlayStation, though, they're revealed, you think? Maybe? Um, In a direct sort of thing? Well, it's hard to tell with first-party yeah. partners now. So I can't remember what the Ark... Well, the Arkham games in my head were always partnered with Cause it, PlayStation. But then it, it is really interesting what, to think... Like marketing-wise, yeah. in yeah. terms of exclusivity windows. Yeah. But then it is interesting to wonder whether, because of E3, all the AAA games go, well, what's going to get us the showing? Mm. If Sony's not there, we'll make our first-party marketing partner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Xbox. Google, oh, Google Xbox Stadia. Um, Stadia. They're not doing a conference, though. Not sure. I keep hiccuping. Um, <laughs> well, did you see that? Was it uh, what's his name, Mister Xbox, Philly Spencer? Yes, he's. They've got fourteen first-party games. Yeah, it's a lot. more than ever. Yeah, that is. And what they most have likely every single yeah. developer in and the world. Do we still think they're going to reveal? Well, I think surely faces by saying next week is the big E3 preview. Yeah, we're podcast. doing we're doing yeah. a proper. Preview I'm not going to be on it though, so I'm just going to have my, my oh, say yeah. now. Let's yeah. do that. Uh, what am I looking forward to? I want to know what this Avengers game is because. I have full faith that it will be great. Calling it Destiny Meets Injustice. That's yep. what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Based on those In leaks. Mar- yeah. I'm up for that. I want to see that. I'm looking forward to 
getting some hands on hopefully with control oh, so I like the yes. look of it but I want to see how it, if it feels like mm-hmm. a remedy game which I'm sure it will yeah. uh, that looks fun and yeah what's your, out, what's your way out there hope my way out there hope um, what would you love to see what would I love to see Ooh, I want to see Double Fine announce a pu- a pure genuine Monkey Island sequel. Yeah, that's what I want. I um, want a new Monkey Island. I didn't expect that. Yeah, he loves. Them. I'm in the mood for that sort of game at the moment. Would you want it to be the same kind of game? Yeah, with the text. I want it. I want it to be a genuine sequel. That's because they did the, uh, the like chapterized version, which didn't quite hit the mark. And yeah. You want I'd a big like, button that I'd says like that. push. Yeah. My other outside bet is, I don't know. I don't know. That's well, it. You That's had what one, I thought so of. it's fine. That's what I thought of. Luke, <laughs> if you want to know what the rest of our E3 hopes are, you're just going to have to wait till next week. Yeah. Uh, mm. But me, Cardi, and Matt will be there from our team this year. Mm. And it's going to be a banger. We're going to have, yeah, predictions next week and then a full E3 podcast from the Live show. Live from LA. Well, not from the show, we'll be from our hotel when we're half pissed. Hungover. Yeah. yeah, either pissed or hungover. Mm. Yes. Yeah. As is tradition. Uh, and as is also tradition, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All good things must come to an end. They And they will. You mark my words. Are we still doing Garage? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, yeah, we've got to talk about something. Uh, in October of this year, we were, drawn, <laughs> we were pointed out, well, it was pointed out to me, that DJs by Duke of Havoc on Twitter, I'll say. Well done, Duke of Havoc. Uh, that DJ Spoonie, UK Garage MC and DJ. Uh, is, <laughs> he's called DJ Spoonie. <laughs> yeah, he's an MC as well. Uh, is doing a UK Garage classical uh, concert Ooh. at the Royal Albert Hall. I believe it's on the 24th of October. Mm. And let me tell you, we're bloody going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by we... Me good. and some others around me. <laughs> I'll see how busy I am. <laughs> you're fucking coming now, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, and as such, we're going to play... A Are you co- going to be the warm-up act for them? I would hope we so. We could compare. There, there is, or is that DJ Spoonie's that's job? That's DJ Spoonie's job. But, <laughs> if uh, he's ill. <laughs> gen- genuinely in the works, possible interview on the podcast with DJ Spoonie. Just putting it out there. Oh, my God. That's gonna, that could happen. I've put the feelers out. Uh, and... To celebrate the fact that that's happening, we're going to play a track from his DJ Spoonie Presents Garage Classical Royal Albert Hall Spotify playlist. And I've chosen Boo! by Sticky featuring Miss Dynamite. Enjoy. I'm so bored of Garage. <laughs> Let the bass of vibrate, them veins will fuck you up like it was cocaine. Cause I tippity the dynamite to get the people, them are lively. Lively. And I'm a shampoo, in a you wet. You be can't shock, get popped by spread. Cause they do something that everybody should make the gunman run the cup and sizes. Them a shampoo, in a you wet. You be can't shock, get popped by spread. Cause they do something that everybody should make the gunman run the cup and sizes. Get away with the lead with the bass and drum. 